Welcome to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology. Many of our podcasts are accompanied by downloadable study guides and additional resources. You can access those either through our website at gsot.edu forward slash center or through the Grace app for your smartphone. And now, Saving Grace. Hello and welcome. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? Is Islam a religion of peace? Well, how does the kingdom of God differ from the Islamic State? Well, these questions and more will be addressed today to help equip you to defend your faith in conversations with Muslim friends. Our desire is that Muslims will come to know our Jesus, and we believe that if truth is presented with love and grace, perhaps the Lord will use us in those situations. We're so pleased to have back with us Al Fadi, a former Wahhabi Muslim who is the founder of Sira International, Center for Islamic Research and Awareness. Al is on a mission to introduce Muslims to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to equip believers with effective outreach tools to join him in his mission. Since the inception of Sira International in 2002, Al Fadi has had the privilege of training thousands of Christians in churches, parachurch organizations, and various Christian colleges and seminaries. Welcome back, Al, to Saving Grace. Thank you so much. Uh, glad to be back. We know the last time we were together, you shared your fascinating testimony of coming to faith in Christ. And you know, it seems, Al, that we are now living in this politically correct environment here in the United States, where those who would share Christ with their Muslim friends are being told that that is hateful, that is not the politically correct thing to do. How would you, uh, what would you say to, to, the, to the critics? Well, I mean, um, it's it's a tough situation. I mean, uh, recently I've been having this very same conversation with some uh, college kids, and I'm, I know they are going to be faced with a lot of those uh, outside pressure, including uh, not just peer pressure, but this political correctness uh, kind of pressure. Um, you know, this Islamophobia, for instance, uh, uh, idea that keeps popping up every now and then is one of such, uh, you know, uh, methods used to criticize uh, for instance, speaking out against maybe uh, Islam uh, or its teaching or the idea of trying to uh, just publicly invite Muslims to uh, explore, uh, uh, you know, the real Christianity or in my case uh, on platforms like Facebook, for instance, sharing the gospel with them. Uh, you'll be surprised how many times I got blocked by Facebook just because I did something like this and they consider it to be hate speech, actually. Yes, yes. So it's, uh, it's really disturbing. All I have to say is these are the signs of the times right now, and mm -hmm. we're going to have to be uh, wise in how to find the opportunities to share. The yes. truth is the truth. And Jesus says, your word is truth. And uh, John 17, 17, therefore, we should never shy away from sharing the truth. No. Now, obviously, uh, there is there is always sharing the truth in love. I mean, Absolutely. we are commanded to do this. We do not want to be ridiculing people. We do not want to be uh, attacking people, insulting, yelling at them. But that should never stop us from living Christ before people 
and reaching mm-hmm. out to them, asking questions, just asking questions to, hey, my Muslim friend, you know, uh, why are you fasting? Why do you pray this way? Uh, uh, what what does this mean to you? I mean, this situation we're going through, how do you deal with uh, suffering? How I mean, there are so many ways we can open the mm-hmm. door for mm-hmm. such a conversation. And uh, you know what? It becomes a one-on-one. Uh, no one can really force you or the other person to shy away from this discussion or that discussion. Yes, that's so, so good. Well, you know, no matter who we are, I think we want to know truth. Uh, and it's up to that individual that we're talking to whether or not they decide to accept that truth. And, and like you say, how we present it. Uh, is so critically important. But, well, it just seems there's so much misinformation that is instilled into the minds of Muslims from a, a very young age. Uh, where, where do you suggest we begin when given those opportunities to dialogue with a, a Muslim friend about their faith? Uh, are there particular topics that seem to be a great open door well, as I mentioned, you know, uh, it depends, first of all, on the setting. If we're dealing with someone that you're going to only meet for the next five minutes or the next 30 minutes, it's totally different than meeting with your classmate or a co-worker or neighbor that you know there is a long-term uh, potential uh, yes. for a dialogue. If we're talking the short-term one, the, the five-minute, the, the 10-minute, the 15, the 30, you may want to have just a... Uh, present them with a copy of the Bible, attract, maybe even encourage them to um, get in touch with you. I mean, sometimes I would say, well, tell the person, hey, I really would love to know more about what you believe in. I do not want to rely on media. I don't want to, I do not want to read this article or that article. I'd like to hear it from you. Mm. Are you available? You know, if you live in the area, are you available to grab coffee with me one day? I'll buy the coffee. Uh, you'll be my guest. Uh, I'll be honored. Sometimes we have to really get out of our comfort zone and just approach the person and ask, yeah, what, what is it that we're going to lose? Uh, no? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, like, no. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, may I present you with a gift, you know? This yeah. is so precious to me. This is the word. Have you ever had a copy of the Bible? Many times they say no. Please, you know, this is, this is a copy I want to give to you. I always carry it around with me because I am a follower of Jesus, you know, and uh, uh, Jesus asked me to love everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's one way. Yes. The other way is we are... Meeting daily in classroom or at at, at the job or my neighbor, I see you every now and then. Well, why don't we try to capitalize on on this and and begin to ask pointed questions throughout the conversation? The first time I meet them, they need to know who I am in Christ. They they need to hear me mention Jesus many times. They need to know that I'm a spiritual person. Uh, At the conclusion of the first meeting, I want to say, hey, by the way, uh, is there anything I can pray for you? You know, I mean, they'll be taken away by that. It's like, wow, what what was that about? You know, oh, Jesus taught us to pray and and we would love to pray for people. I mean, I just heard you in the conversation. You mentioned your mom is, uh, you know, diagnosed with this. Uh, Please, may I pray for that? You know, you'll be surprised. Mm. How often that becomes a pivotal point in the relationship that yes. they'll see results and they'll start contacting you. Hey, I want you to pray for this or that. Great, <laughs> right. you know? Yes, yes. And sometimes you have to find something. Like mm-hmm. you hear about Hajj. You hear about Ramadan. Mm-hmm. You you hear them saying, I went to the mosque. Open the door. Ask yeah. questions. What is that like? Yes. Describe it to me. Oh, what you know, you reminded me of something Jesus taught. May mm. I read it for you, you know? And that's how we have to do it. I mean, oh, that, yes. otherwise, nothing will come out of this relationship. Yeah. So just in what you said, what I hear is show them you care 
and be willing to enter their world through conversation so that they really realize you do care about about them as a person. Uh, and then that gives you opportunities, just like with any friend, I suppose, to carry on those important discussions. Well, exactly. Yes, yes. Well, you know, in, in my interactions with Muslim friends, uh, they really have a hard time with our triune God, you know, as they believe we're worshiping three gods. Uh, and I have to admit, the Trinity is difficult to explain even to believers. But how do you explain the Trinity to a Muslim? Well, I mean, that's that's a great, uh, you know, question, of course. Uh, you know, when you begin these conversations, that's when you start hearing about their understanding. I mean, kind of like piggyback on your first question, understand their understanding of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of them are bold enough to tell you, but your Bible is corrupt. Others will try to shy away from hurting your feelings and things like that. You may have to point, uh, you know, point them to the Bible, say, uh, have you heard of the Bible? What do you feel about, you know, did the Quran teach about it or do you know anything? I mean, either way, you'll begin to hear your Bible is corrupt. Part of the corruption is that you worship three gods and you, you need to really show how surprised you are. I mean, that, don't just let it slide. You know, what do you mean we worship three gods? Mm-hmm. I've never, ever heard of such a thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think I worship three gods? Please point it out to me in the Bible. Have you ever seen it? You know, because they're going to use the Quran. Obviously, they say, oh, the Quran said so. I mean, I'm so sorry, but maybe there is a misunderstanding here. Could could it be the Quran is talking about cults or heresies, you know, because that's not what we believe in. And I tell people, you know, the best way to teach the Trinity is to start with the oneness of God. I mean, hammer out passages that deal with God is one. God is one. Yes. Not yes. just New Testament, by the way. I just did a, about a 10 video series on the Trinity from the Old Testament. Just mm. the Old Testament alone. Mm, and, yes. you know, people don't r- think about it that way. You think the Trinity, it has to be the New Testament. Therefore, I'm in a good New Testament. Guess what? A Muslim will come back and say, well, I just told you the Bible has been corrupted by the Christians. So you need to take it back to the Old Testament. Oneness of God. And then you need to take the elements of the Trinity. What is that? You know, God revealing himself in distinct persons, three distinct persons. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. is there any shade of that in Old Testament? Did God ever appear as a man in Old Testament? I'm sure we can start talking Mm -hmm. about those encounters. Yes. And um, can God be called the Father in Old Testament? Uh, Did God reveal that he has a son in Old Testament? You know, what about the Holy Spirit of God in Old Testament? I mean, you see what I'm doing. It's like, you know, you take it that way. And you begin to show the omni-attributes of God in every one of them, but emphasize we still believe in one God. Now, I know they're going to come back and tell you, and this is hard to understand. I don't, I don't even know how to understand this. Well, I, here's what I tell people all the time. I just did it recently with someone uh, you know, that I'm witnessing to. I said, if I understand God, then I should be God myself. There ah. is no way I can understand the mind of God. Mm-hmm. I'm just sharing with you how God decided to share with me in his word about his character and his nature. That's all I can do. Right. Wow. Very, very good. Well, you know, as as Christians, we know uh, about original sin. We know that we need a Savior. Uh, that's not so in, in, in Islam, right? That's correct. Uh, the, uh, the idea is that you need someone— to save you, other than God, of course, in their mind, uh, is is unfathomable, you know. So therefore, the idea of Jesus dying on the cross, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to them. They can save themselves by good deeds with the hope that God will accept it from them. 
Yes, yes. Wow. And well, so what does the Quran say about Jesus? Well, the Quran says a lot of things about Jesus. You'll be surprised to know that the majority of the time, it's nothing but positive things about Jesus. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the Quran does say Jesus is a prophet. Mm -hmm. It does even claim that he's just created being. But at the same time, it calls him the Messiah all the time. It calls him the son of uh, Mary, obviously, which indicates that he has no father. Mm -hmm. It does talk about his virgin birth. It talks about his miracles, even raising people from the dead and even creating uh, things and breathing life into them. It calls him the word of God. It calls him the spirit of God. So we certainly need to uh, at least, uh, you know, emphasize that the person that we're dealing with need to show us both sides. What does it say about Jesus in general? And obviously these days they know you have access to Google yourself. I mean, you can can find all these passages and you can bring them to the table and say, I mean, I know you say he's a human, but my goodness, I mean, which human, which other prophet was called the word of God or the spirit of God? I mean, and why is he called the Messiah? Do you have any idea why he's called that way? That chosen one of God. I mean, so we definitely have to use that as a springboard to the gospel, not Mm -hmm. necessarily witnessing from the Quran, but if that's where I have to really start my conversation because the person is not interested in the Bible, then maybe I can start there. Yes, yes. Well, you know, one of the things that we also hear in this politically correct environment is that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. What do you say about that, Al? Yeah, that's the biggest fallacy in human history, actually. Uh, it's almost like leading, uh, you know, Muslims to uh, believe that we worship the same God. I can understand a Muslim saying this, mm-hmm. but it troubles me a lot when I hear Christians also trying to even uh, agree with that concept. Uh, no, we don't. Yes, yes. We only worship, uh, you know, the, you know, different gods for the simple reason. Our God, his name is Yahweh. I am. Never once did the Quran introduce him that way. Hmm. Our God has no problem uh, for us to call him father. The Quran denies the idea that you can call God a father. It's blasphemy, actually. Our God declared to us that he sent his son to die for our sins. The Quran denies the crucifixion of Christ, denies even that God came in the flesh. Uh, Our God is called love. The God of the Quran has conditional love. Our God doesn't have such a thing. Uh, and uh, he called himself the Savior in the Bible. In the Quran, not once did he call himself the Savior. In fact, the reason why my name is Al-Fadi is short for Abdul Fadi, servant of the Savior, actually. Fadi in Arabic is Savior. Because the God of Islam never once described himself this way. So I wanted people to know that I am a servant of the true God, the Savior who saved me. Mm. Oh, so happy you did that. And that's a conversation starter in itself, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Uh, well, we we know that uh, the, the Quran, uh, as you know, when you look at salvation uh, in the Quran is comp- compared to salvation in the Bible, uh, that would be two very different tracks as well, correct? Absolutely. And actually, speaking of tracks, the Quran has two tracks for salvation. Um, the the normal track, uh, I call it, uh, you know, the general track, that's uh, every Muslim can save themselves by works and uh, wait until judgment day, 
your good deeds and bad deeds will we, will be weighed on a scale before the judgment seat of God. And you'll be fortunate if God decides that I like you and I'm going to send you to heaven. You may even get still punished for some crimes you have committed, you know, mm-hmm. even if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. But then the second track, that's the specialized track. That's if you die as a martyr, shed your own blood. Notice the mm-hmm. gospel in reverse. Mm-hmm. You shed your own blood. Only then, if you're sincere about your action, and if your action was accepted by God, then your sins are forgiven. There is no judgment for you. You're uh, assured to go to paradise immediately, and you'll be in the presence of God. My goodness, Jesus has done that already 2,000 years ago. Why do I have to reinvent a wheel? Yes, yes. To me, that would be a no-brainer right there to share that because, uh, obviously, Christ paid it all, and and uh, his unconditional love draws us in to spend eternity with him, not based on anything we've done, but his righteousness in us, and I just praise him for that. And Amen. I And I pray that, that our Muslim uh, friends would, would, would grasp that truth. Amen. And you know, Carmen, I want to bring in the spiritual element of all of this. Yes, please. This gospel in reverse is not an accident. Mm. Somebody, somebody thought through this gospel message and said, you know, I'm going to really mess it up. I'm going to bring a gospel message that makes sense to the human mind. Every Muslim will be content with the idea of, sure, I'll save myself. Why should Jesus die for me or somebody die for me? Because it doesn't make sense. That's that's not fair. You see, mm-hmm. human yes. mind think this way. There is a satanic element here. We need to understand it's a spiritual warfare. Only the enemy of the gospel will think through such a thing. And the Bible describes him as masquerading as an angel of light. Believe it or not, an angel supposedly appeared to the messenger of Islam in a cave telling him that he is the messenger of God. No eyewitness account, none of that. And the same messenger, I would argue, appeared 200 years ago to another guy by the name Joseph Smith. I mean, Mm -hmm. this messenger is busy, really. I mean, going around doing things like this. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And that's so important that you share that because, you know, and, and, and the fact that you mentioned Joseph Smith, because it's not just Muslims who, who are set up and deceived. Uh, it is the, the, the you know, other, um, the Mormons and, and, and other cults uh, that are believing the lie of the enemy. And so the good exactly. news is certainly something we should be so happy and so passionate about sharing with others. Well, you know, we believe, of course, in the authority of Scripture, uh, the Holy Word of God, the Bible. Uh, would you say the authority in Islam is 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 in the area of Sharia law, or is that totally two separate things? Uh, to, to bring in, how is Sharia law part of this religion? Excellent question. You know, um, you know, in a nutshell, I can say the following, and it's going to come as a surprise to your audience, probably, and even to Muslims. Islam as a system is the most confusing religious system you will ever encounter, Hmm. simply because you have so many branches of Islam that disagree among themselves about what is the ultimate authority, who should I follow, where do I find answers to this issue or that issue. What I mean by that is this. If we take the standard approach of Islam, you have three sources that will uh, be the predicate, if you wish, for Sharia law. You have the Quran, that's the word of Allah. Then you have the Hadith and the biography of Muhammad, the messenger of Islam. That will be the second primary source. 
And then you have the interpreters of both. Those are the learned ones. Let's say the Pharisees, the religious authority. Right. You put the three together combined. Now you have the rulings that will come out, which mm. is called Sharia law. Mm. But the question is, which Sharia law are you following? The Sunni Sharia law or the Shia Sharia law? And if it is a Sunni, are you following this school or that school or the moderate school or the liberal school or the fundamental school? And the same applies to uh, basically Shia. Are you an Ahmadiyya Muslim? Are you a Baha'i Muslim? Are you a Sufi Muslim? Why are you considered to be a heretical Muslim? I mean, and the list can go on and on and on. I can tell you this much. I started a video series and I will continue with this video series. We haven't released it yet. The title of that video series is this. Why Islam is a man-made religion. Mm. Simply put. Yes. Everything Muslims do there is a human element behind it. For example, the Quran that we have in our hand today, believe it or not, was actually canonized in 1924, known as the Cairo edition, and corrected again in 1930-some, and then in 1950, uh, in the 50s also, became the more formal uh, you know, Quran. Hmm. That's 14 centuries after it was revealed. Who canonized it? A group of human beings. Based on what? Based on an oral transmission by a human being. And then you hear the story about the Uthmanic version of the Quran. He burned all copies. That's the third caliph after the death of Muhammad, almost 20 years after Muhammad died. He burned all copies of the Quran and decided on one only. That's a human element right there. Islam itself was revealed to humanity by one man in a cave, no eyewitness accounts. And the list can go on and on and on. Wow. And I I just so appreciate the work that you're doing to expose uh, the truth that you have found and that you know, uh, and and perhaps that will open eyes of some for the first time. Well, uh, when we think about uh, the kingdom of God, certainly we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we look forward to that day when he's sitting on the throne and uh, uh, ruling, uh, but how does that compare with the with an Islamic state? Because we hear that term a lot as well. Well, an Islamic state, obviously, it's kind of like a uh, predicate to end times. Um, if Islam becomes successful, and the caliphate, which is an Islamic state, an equivalent to the Islamic kingdom of God, if you wish, on earth, uh, then all subjects under that kingdom will either follow Islam or will be subjugated to the rule of Islam. The head of that Islamic state, according to the Sunni view, should be Jesus along with his assistant, when in fact to the Shia, it's the 12th imam and Jesus is his prophet. You see, I mean, there is always these elements that are taken out of the Bible, especially the book of Revelation. Nevertheless, that's only setting the stage for the official judgment day. And after that, people will be judged and according to their works, and some will go to heaven, some will go to hell. Some Muslim might go to hell temporarily and be sent back to heaven as a way of purification, if you wish, you know, Mm. in the hellfire. Mm. Nevertheless, at the end of the day, that's where the ultimate eternal life will take place. So they don't have this idea of, uh, you know, a kingdom of God where Jesus will rule for a thousand years and things like that. I mean, they, they understand this, but they talk about 40 year of rule, and that will set the, set the stage for the actual judgment day. Wow. 
Just fascinating stuff. Well, most importantly, as we close out today, Al, what would you say to those Muslims who might have tuned in to our program today? What is it that you would like for them to do uh, to learn more about our Jesus? Amen. Well, I mean, first I want to tell them, you know, uh, please cool down. Uh, you're angry right now. Uh, you're hearing somebody you feel like have betrayed you. Mm-hmm. I did not. Uh, I love Muslims. Uh, my family is still following Islam. I come from an Islamic country that I have nothing but love for that nation, but that doesn't mean I'm going to also look the other way and not share the truth with you. So I want you to ask yourself this. Why would someone who was born and raised in Saudi, the heartland of Islam, where Islam emanated from and continue to exist today, find the truth in Jesus? Someone who has access to the Arabic, basically documents the primary sources, knew the Quran, knew the Hadith, the Tafsir, the commentaries, I can access all of those. Why would I make a decision like this? For what gain am I doing this, knowing that my life will be threatened and my family and everybody else? What, what is the gain behind that? Unless if there is something about truth that I discovered. So I encourage you, ask yourself, why is it that Jesus is the only one who is mentioned in the Quran more than anybody else, including the message of Islam? Why is it that Jesus was so elevated in his status? You can call him equal to God by virtue of being called the word of God who appeared in the flesh through Mary, and he is the spirit of God. And at the same time, ask yourself, why are many Muslims flocking to follow Jesus? Mm. And what does it mean to be born again versus being born Christian? These are the questions that I want them to ask themselves. And I know I can really go on forever because there's so many other things I would like to point them to. But nevertheless, these are the essential things that I would love to point them to. Oh, that's that's perfect. And and where would you point them to for more resources and information regarding the ministry that you have? I would love really for them to go and explore my own website, sirainternational.com. That's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International. Go and watch my YouTube video. We have a lot of fabulous programs in there that can help shed some light uh, about a lot of issues. It's also called Sira International. And go to my Facebook uh, page and interact with me. It's called Sira Also International. I have another one called alfadi.sira. But, you know, uh, come to me. Uh, I can help you with other additional resources and so on and so forth. But you need to really search for the truth yourself. Don't let others tell you how you ought to think or believe. Mm, Very, very good. Well, and I also would encourage our listeners, if they ever hear that you're in town doing a workshop at a church, they should also attend. uh, That's where I met you the first time and and, uh, learned so much. So thank you for taking this time to uh, share with our audience. Uh, It's been so enlightening. Uh, Really appreciate it, Al. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Our guest today has been Al-Fadi, a former Wahhabi Muslim who now loves Jesus, desires all of his people to know Christ as well. We all need Jesus, and Al has helped us to break through some of the communication barriers with our Muslim friends. Well, be sure to download the Grace app to give you complete access to Saving Grace podcast, Grace Cafe, event calendar, Bible study guides, and more. You can get that link and also learn more about Grace School of Theology and Grace Center for Spiritual Development at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. So glad that you tuned in today. Remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost.